0: When you live your life truly not afraid of what other people are going to think or say about you, and if you live it with the Spirit of Christ, if you live it really trying your best to be in in mission with Him, knowing that you're going to fail, but knowing that Christ's mercy and reconciliation is always there for you, that does have an effect.
1: How do we free ourselves from the weight of expectations from others? Is what others think or say about us a distraction that keeps us from working good in the world? In this episode, Catholic speaker, author and entrepreneur Leah Darrow shares her journey from the secular world to the vineyard and how she's learned to receive God's mercy as a message of hope for herself and for the whole world.
0: We all are influencers in our own life. If you are married, you're influencing your spouse. If you have kids, you're influencing them. If you have friends, you're influencing them. If you're a son, a daughter, you're influencing your family. So make no mistake about it, this term influencer, it's not just for certain people in a certain field of life, and there's a weight to that. There's a weight to how we live our life because people are watching and people are wanting to know, are you congruent with what you believe and how you act?
1: When we embrace who we authentically are, And accept our unique mission we're given the opportunity to influence others to encounter the fullness of who God created them to be this is living the call Leah Darrow welcome to the show
0: thanks for having me I'm happy to be here
1: it's such a privilege to have you so um, you know when I started the show about a year and a half ago I thought with the orientation of I want to talk to super interesting people that are influential out in the world, right? This kind of idea of people living their Christian vocation in positions of of influence, of leadership. And it's been such a great privilege to have the conversations that I've had over the t- over time with like all kinds of folks, you know, CEOs and scientists and bishops and songwriters and actors and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, this is the first time that I've had, you know, in maybe a more secular traditional sense, somebody who other folks might describe as an influencer. And I know that you've done a lot of things, but I wanted to start with that kind of nomenclature. Is that, that sort of title of influencer, is that something that, that you embrace, that you kind of think about? What do you make of that kind of terminology in general?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the word automatically is gonna make us associate to something else. You know, I mean, we put meaning to our, to mm. our words. So, um, you know, if we think, if we're only thinking of the secular culture and the type of influence that it has on Christian culture, then maybe the word influencer might have some type of negative connotation. Um, as a follower of Christ and as somebody who is called to um, take up my own cross and also take up my mission with Christ, I... If the term influencer is used in that realm, then I'm very happy to embrace that. I hope I do influence all the people to embrace Christ. I hope I influence good. I hope mm. I influence, you know, to see the humor in everyday life when things are hard. I hope I influence people to accept suffering as a part of uh, holiness. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, I personally have come to just embrace that word and for what it is, um, as also it has a weight to it. You know that each one of us, and here's the Mm. thing, I mean, each one of us has, we all are influencers in our own life. If you are married, you're influencing your spouse. If you have kids, you're influencing them. If you have friends, you're influencing them. If you're a son, a daughter, you're influencing your family. So make no mistake about it, this term influencer, it's not just for certain people in a certain field of life, and there's a weight to that. There's a weight to how we live our life because people are watching and people are wanting to know, are you congruent with what you believe and how you
1: act? Mm. And there definitely is a certain pressure in that, right? From a secular standpoint, look, and I've, I've worked in, in, in the digital media space for about 20 years, and, and I've worked with, you know, in and around a lot of sort of secular uh, influence or influencers, and that weight applies in a variety of ways in the secular space, similar to what you just described, That this idea of kind of always having to be on and, you know, the pressure of sort of being under a microscope and that kind of thing, which, you know, brings with it some potential and possibility but also, you know, in some cases, some, some drawbacks, you know, have, have those, I guess, what, what is the manifestation of those drawbacks to the extent that they exist from, from your perspective, from like a Catholic perspective, from a Disciple of Christ perspective who's doing some of these very same things?
0: Yeah, I think the, the biggest setback that you can experience um, in this realm is thinking that, that it's all you. Mm. You know, it's the setback is the setback is pride. <laughs> That's the ultimate setback, but it's the first one. It's it's look what I've done and, and and look what I can do and or maybe it's look 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 how much money I can make from this. I mean, I've seen that in this realm of the world of like how much can we push for this, how much can we sell this, what if we upsell this once they get here. I mean, there's there's setbacks everywhere you want to turn. There's obviously spiritual setbacks you know what i'm talking about there's also personal setbacks and sometimes when the personal setbacks can be something like i don't feel like i am making enough as an impact and maybe you're hard on yourself and maybe you start to uh allow you know the devil honestly to work on you and work on all your weaknesses and tell you you should have done it better you're not good enough. You were never called to do this work. You better give up because everybody's watching, and it's it's all for naught. I mean, the setbacks are are incredible if we want to focus on that. Um, but it it goes back to what do you focus on? What do you focus on in your life? If mm. we need to be aware of these things, sure, but if we're only going to focus on all the things we can't or what might go wrong then ultimately that's what ends up kind of happening right like if you if you focus on the problem i promise you the problem will always be there but what about the solution what about what about what can you do to make this better
1: yeah there's a there's a lot of uh you know sort of booby traps along the way potentially on this on this road and i think you've highlighted a number of them i just this this last weekend i spoke at um the Young Catholic Professionals Conference, and we talked a little bit about those kind of tactics that the enemy uses. One of them, which you've already highlighted, is the <clears throat> the notion of accusation. Right? It's like everybody's gonna see this. You're gonna mess up, or mm-hmm. you did. You did. You thought you did well, but then upon reflection, gee, you could have done this kind of thing differently. And the emphasis of that really kind of takes your your eye in a way off the ball, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the entire point is to is, is distraction. And the devil is um, a, mm. a genius with this. It, it is distraction. If, if you're distracted by somebody else, someone else's life, your own mistake, your own problems, or if you're distracted by your own talents, if you're distracted by your own glory, so to speak, anything to keep your focus away from the gift that life is, your ability to work good in mm. this world with Christ if you if Christ can, if, if the devil can get you to distract from those two things it's he's he he's won the battle right there
1: are there ways in particular that you, you we can't ever be sort of fully inoculated from that right we're we're human we're prone to to failure and falling down and weaknesses and we know we're in the earth but we're not of the world right not of the earth um but is there any way that you personally like work toward minimizing that kind of those kind of trappings in the work that you do?
0: Yeah, I definitely have a few things that I have been implementing over the past, I'd say probably actively five to 10 years, Um, been making slow progress in these areas. And it's, it's proven itself to be um, a very positive experience for me now, more so than than before. And so one is Mm. I surround myself with a very good team of people and not just talented people, um, but people who will believe in what we're doing. They believe in the mission. Like they are on board with the mission of what we're doing here, um, at, at Lux ministries. And so making sure that I've got people who are on board. And that doesn't mean that they're just agreeable. It just means that they understand what we're doing and they believe in that. And if you don't have people around you Mm. who are going to believe in what you're doing, if they don't believe in your conversion or if they don't believe in the lifestyle that you're trying to lead with the Lord, like that's very difficult to to continue living that way that you want to live or, you know, doing business a certain way. So really just making, I've been very, very careful about the people I surround myself with and I have very strong boundaries and I've cut people out, um, in a professional sense, Mm. not like harshly, but I'm just like, no, you're not a part of this mission and it's not working out. So let's just, you know, amicably go our separate ways because they're just not going to really support me and support what we're doing here. So I, you know, setting good boundaries and having a good people around you is really, really important, a very strong com- community of just one or two people, even if it's just that. And then the other thing I do is I speak truth to myself in terms of mm. my professional work. Um, before I go and give a talk, before I'm going to go sit down and do some work at my computer, I will speak truth, I will speak scripture to myself, of what the Lord is calling me to do. I will say certain phrases to myself over and over to remind myself that it is the Lord that has called me into this work, and it's the Lord that will continue to do this work in me, and He has done something magnificent in my life, and it is my duty to share His magnificent mercy with the world. And I say these things, I mean, if um, I just recently gave a talk at University of Nebraska um, in Lincoln, and I was in the elevator, and they were taking me up to the church at St. Thomas Aquinas, before I gave a talk to this, you know, uh, big college campus. And I, uh, if you're around me, you know that I sometimes just, like, I I freely just don't care sometimes what people think of me. I've learned this by, by being beaten down <laughs> in the past that, People will talk about me, they're gonna say things about other people, and it's really none of my business what you say about me. It's none of my business what you think of me. And um, and even in a positive way, even if people say something great, it's none of my business. You give that to the Lord, praise be to Jesus Christ. But I was in this elevator and I'm getting ready for my talk, and I start doing, I start saying the things that I normally say before my talk. And I'm saying it out loud, and I these focused m- missionaries are in the elevator with me, and they're just like, she's probably lost her mind but i was just like saying it out loud to myself because i know some of the tactics not all but i know some of the tactics the devil wants to do before i go on and share Christ's mercy with people is he wants me to doubt he wants me he wants me to think Mm. certain things about myself and about the other people and i i have to verbally um, declare that this hour, this upcoming hour is for the Lord and it's for His mercy. So I, I say certain phrases and I say certain things. And I was saying all these things of some of the things I just repeated to you. And, um, you know, I get out of the elevator and those missionaries were just like, what was that? And I was like, that was just a conversation between me and Jesus. Now I'm going to, I got to go do my work. But I guess to go back to your original question, some of the things that I do to combat some of those you know, temptations are the community that I surround myself with personally and professionally, and then also reading scripture and then saying that scripture and making that scripture work for my life and really like saying those types of, you know, scripts Mm -hmm. to myself to know who I am and the mission that God has me on.
1: Hmm. Wow, that's a, a ton that you put on the on the table there. And I, I love the 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 idea of that kind of, you know, those affirmations before big things. I, I don't know if we do enough of that, right? This idea mm-hmm. of kind of living a fully integrated, you know, Christian Catholic life and that's at every moment, right? It's in the elevator, it's, you know, in the bathroom, it's on the way to whatever the the thing may be, the grocery store, this kind of everyday um, you know, proximity to, to Jesus and bringing him into everything. When I was a kid, my mom used to say, like, just, you know, walk into every room holding Jesus's hand. I always remembered that, like when, from like a very young age. And it, it, it when that kind of idea would come back up to me, it would be in the strangest settings, or at least ones that I thought was strange, you know, like in the in the corporate media world, where I kind of spent my career and walking into these conference rooms and boardrooms, and I would think of that, like take Jesus by the hand and kind of live that relationship with Him in a real way. And of course, it's for you, but like all things in the, whole, the Holy Spirit style is to get a lot of value out of everything, right? So it's for you, but then at the same time, I'm sure that that, you know, that thing that you did in the elevator is also very meaningful to the people that experience it even if that wasn't necessarily your intent
0: yeah i think that's that's the beautiful thing about you know that word influencer that you mentioned when you live your life truly not afraid of what other people are going to think or say about you and if you live it with the spirit of Christ if you live it really trying your best to be in, in mission with him knowing that you're going to fail but knowing that Christ's mercy and reconciliation is always there for you that does have an effect and I have just, uh, I have really started to embrace um, this part of my life where I need those holy affirmations. I need to embrace my scripture and not just read it silently to myself, that my life needs to be a complete outward expression of holy scripture, of, of our traditional beautiful faith. And I proclaim Christ and I proclaim his mercy and I will say it out loud and And I, and my own kids, I mean, I'm a mother of of six kids here in the house and, um, you know, they hear me, they hear, they hear me talk to myself before I work. They hear me when I'm frustrated and I'm, I'm, I'm doing my crazy prayer in the car of like, (laughs) Lord Jesus, help me, you know, like, and they start doing the same things themselves. I'm, you know, I'm an influencer to my kids here. And so, um, I better be influencing them with the one person that can only influence and change our entire our entire lives and souls, which is Christ Jesus.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of, uh, of a kind of a personal maxim about our faith is personal, but it's not private, right? And I think sometimes we confuse those things, right? This idea of, well, you're uniquely made, there'll never be anybody like you before, never will come anybody like you afterwards, and you have a particular role in God's salvific plan, and that's all true but sometimes we can you know the the devil uses everything right so sometimes even that very good tendency that understanding can end up leading somebody to be much more uh insular or closed about their their faith right more compartmentalized let's put it at least that's something that i dealt with you know in my life but the the reality of it is is that we're not we're not called to this sort of private or esoteric understanding of our relationship with God, but it is something fundamentally to be shared because ultimately we're a family, we're a community.
0: Yeah, Deacon, I think, I love that you brought that up. It's, um, and trust me, I have made the same, I wouldn't say it's a mistake, but I've made the same statement before. Many times in my my presentations of you are unique and unrepeatable, there's only one of you, and I've kind of had a change of thought on that although i believe it and it's 100 percent true mm. uh, we know that theologically we know that biologically of course um but it's a lot of pressure sometimes i think to receive that message for our young people of like great there's only one of me and i'm going to screw it all up like <laughs> i have it's over oh yeah so,
1: lots so more pressure
0: there's a lot of pressure. And so, uh, you know, I think that while that's needed at certain times in our life to put the pressure on and to keep, can I kind of to inspire you to like do the thing that you need to do? We also need to be aware that, yes, there is only one of you, you are unique and unrepeatable, but let's just take this one step at a time Mm. with God. One step at a time.
1: Yeah, it's very true, and always re- remaining in the moment. I wanna, I wanna go back to something you said earlier when you were describing your team and the people that surround you, and maybe in the past having to make some determinations about folks that are not, you know, kind of part of that that journey. That's something. I mean, in hearing it for the first time, and I wonder—it's a question to you—but is that kind of uh, awareness, orientation, or maybe even reticence around some people in the orbit? Is that in part born from your secular career, the work that came before your your Catholic work? Because I know you were involved in obviously a number of things in the entertainment industry, modeling, all those kind of things, and you know having some experience in that world. I know that you that's a constant concern around who's around you and where folks may be leading you. Do you think some of that was born there?
0: I wouldn't doubt it. I'm sure all of it is working together. Um... I don't see how it couldn't. I don't think how I. I don't know how I could possibly have separated that. I know that in my secular time and working as a model and working on you know you know TV show and working in TV media afterwards, um, it was very clear who had what agenda. And so you Mm. can have everybody working for e-entertainment news and you can be going on set. uh, Yet everybody who's working there literally has a different agenda of why they're there. And they're using that one vehicle to, to move their agenda. And the secular world is just riddled with this. And it's just maybe maybe, or maybe it's just more apparent because they just don't care. And they're just like, yeah, I'm using this to do this. I'm doing this to do that. And I became very aware of like, okay, so we're, no one's on the same page. We're all using this one thing that we're doing. And then no one's really giving it 100% to to fuel their own side interest later on. And that definitely stayed with me. And then moving into the more um, non secular side in the Christian world and Catholic world of business, um, you know, y- we would like to think everybody's on the same page. And usually that's the case. Sometimes they're not. <laughs> um, we're all human and we make lots of mistakes. We know that it's in the church, outside the church, it's everywhere. I think we have a higher standard, obviously, inside the church and rightfully so. Um, but I've carried those experiences with me and um, I've learned to ask certain questions when I work with certain groups with people, um, to really help me decide, you know, if this great group of people, um, who say they can help and say they can do something, can they do that? And are they going to be in mission with me? And so, um, I've learned a couple questions to ask, and that's been very helpful for me just to, um, to be able to find out exactly like, where are they at? What, like, what do they believe about what I'm doing? And we just kind of move on from there.
1: If I can ask you, what's an example of one of those types of questions?
0: Sure. Um, A very quick and easy one. Also a very, uh, (laughs) it's an uncomfortable one for, not for me, but for the other people. Bring it. Is I will ask them, do you think I can do this? Mm. And so I'll just just ask them that, like, do you think I can do this? And I just let the uncomfortable silence sit and I want to see how long... They respond, how they respond, and then what words they chose to use. So there's a whole, you know, there's a kind of a psychology behind it. But I, I'm doing it on purpose. I want to know if they if they come back being like, oh my gosh, absolutely, like I I without a doubt. I'm like, okay, so their level of interest of believing in the capabilities are there. Now, from there, there's other questions that have to, it's not just I'm trying to find cheerleaders to be on my team or cheerleaders to work with. I don't want that. I want people who are going to resist, who are going to make me better, who are going to push this, whatever that project is, to the level of of, of as best as we can get. Um, But you have to have people in the beginning who really are going to believe in your mission and believe in what you're doing. And so, you know, taking this out of the business, you know, environment and putting this into a personal environment. If you have some friends after you've made some lifestyle changes and you're, and you want to know what type of friend they are, you can just ask them like, look, um, I'm, I'm leading a new life. I'm not, I'm not doing the drinking anymore. I'm not doing the sex anymore. I'm not doing all these crazy things, whatever it is. I, I'm taking these from personal examples of my own life. So I'm not saying this is everybody else, but this is things I chow. I, 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 was, I was, I had to change. Sure. And I would ask, them like, like, do you think I can do this? Do you think that I can live a chaste, holy life? Do you think that I could possibly be a saint? And there were almost all of them said no or laughed and there's only a few of my friends personally i can tell you who said yes i think it's going to be hard but i think you can do it and but these questions of like do you believe that i can do this they're really telling questions about the people and the company you keep
1: yeah i can imagine that i mean the, the cuz you need some some combination of You know, belief um, and confidence and encouragement about these things, but you also need some sense of realism about them. You used the word earlier about you don't just want agreeable people. I thought that was a really interesting word to use because it's true. That you want on some level people to challenge you and to be realistic, but ultimately it's people who want your good, right? So if they're like, yeah, you can do it, but, you know, here's some things that I can help you with or that you need to work on or some different ways to look at it. It's part of that. And I can tell you, at least in my time in, in, in Hollywood, a lot of times you don't get that. You get a lot of the, the sort of the flattery or the political or the posturing, maybe. You you know, you said you're kind of like everybody's on their own agenda, and that's true. Everybody's trying to place a chip on the board, but you're not necessarily sure what the game even is half the time. But having that, um, you know, kind of orbit of people who who believe in you and who can affirm what you're trying to do but also hold you to account in a particular way in order to achieve those things is really critical. And I think sometimes we forget that. It's much easier to have, you know, admirers and and and, and cheerleaders and that. But if that's all that it is, you know, it, it can, you know, counterintuitively lead you in the wrong direction.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and, and when you only have cheerleaders on your team and cheerleaders in your life of like, oh, no, it's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you're only going to serve yourself. Your business will only serve yourself. Your life will only serve you. And so one of the key things is how service-orientated are you? Does your business show that you're really service-orientated? Does your personal life show that you are a, have a servant heart? And are you really trying to help others in your life? Um, we get a great benefit from that as we do that type of work as well. Um And so one of the great things about not having cheerleaders on your team is they're going to make sure that the interest of the customer or the interest of, you know, the other people in your life are being served well and could be served better. And so cheerleaders don't have that perspective. They're just only focused on you, but having people who are going to challenge you, but also encourage you and believe in the mission and also going to think outside of the box or like have you, Like, have you considered this, or have you considered that? Being able to expand your your thinking in those areas and being able to find better solutions are going to, they really make you better and make you a better servant as well.
1: When you were having these conversations with folks earlier on, right? The the idea, do you think I can do this? In the context of maybe coming out of that secular world, and you mentioned some people said no, or they laughed or whatever, unkind in their response. How did that stuff land? Was that did, was that in the was that like a, a gauntlet that got thrown and you viewed it as a challenge? Like you know, okay, great. Now I need to prove up, or was it? You, you know, did it was it a did it set you back? Was it was it hurtful? I mean, I can assume it was painful to hear any kind of that kind of response, but I'm just wondering how that edified you in the process.
0: Yeah, um, I was hoping, I was hoping with some of. Those questions to some of the people that they would have said, You know what? This is yes, this is the chance, this is the catalyst that I need in my life to do something different. Um, I thought it was a long shot, probably for most people that I said that to, but I wanted to just say it. And I also needed to have confirmation that I was doing what I know I needed to do, which was to leave that lifestyle, to leave this entire way of life. And if everybody in that way of life was saying, um, you're crazy, then I knew I wasn't. I knew I wasn't. And mm. so I was just, um, I just needed proof to myself. I needed more evidence that yes, God was actually speaking to my heart. God was calling me into a life of of wholeness and, and being um, healthy and body and soul. And uh, the proof was right there. The proof was the fact that these people who I had been with for many years and partied and had done um, horrible things with, you know, and had, they were, you know, my partners in sin, they were saying, Yeah, not for me. Good luck. You'll never do it. And then there's a part of me of how God made me, I think, that's rather competitive. And so when someone is going to tell me, You can't do this, or sure. I don't, you know, then I was like, Watch me. Watch me do it. Watch me become a better person. And, and, uh, and, and watch me do it while you sit here, not owning up to your own potential, because we all have that. We all have this potential and our potential is it's, it's owed our time and attention. And, but not many of us want to give our potential that time. And so, uh, for, yeah, for, for me, I think it ended up just being incredible motivation incredible motivation to keep going, Um, and it still is.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's like, you know, it goes back to the old line about, you know, God using kind of broken vessels, right? Even some of our tendencies that in other contexts might not be the best, right? A a sense of maybe competitiveness, but he can use all things and, and that, you know, can read as a challenge and one that if you overcome, good things might happen. Have you had any, have you had occasion to interact with or run into or talk with any of the folks from your past life since like in recent times
0: um not too many there's been there's been a few oppor- there, there was a few um chance opportunities that came up and where people ran into me and um they had also been on the show on America's Next Top Model that I was on and um we attempted to have I thought we were on the same page in terms of faith because they were also catholic um, we attempted to have a, a, a meetup or something afterwards and it just didn't quite go well. It was like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, yeah, it was just really kind of strange. It's just kind of very di- different. I just, I think that, and that's okay, the, those things definitely happen and it could have been for a variety of different reasons. Who, like, who knows? I'll never know. But, um, you know, your, your progress in life will always make someone else uncomfortable your progress across the board if when you start to do something better Mm. and different for yourself you will make other people uncomfortable and that's what happens because a running river will always irritate a um a stale pond it's just not it's just not the same It's, you know, that, 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 that pond's not going to move. It's not going to, it's not going to have any progress. It's going to sit there. It's going to do the same thing day in and day out. And it's just never going to understand the river. And so you have to just keep moving. And I think that you have to expect that whenever you start anything in life professionally or personally, and you're trying to sincerely do something better for yourself and to be in mission with Christ, however that looks for you, you're, it's just not always going to land well with everyone. But again, I've learned that that's just, that's none of my business. It's none of my business what other people are going to think or say. And I got to keep moving with the Lord. And I do not want to stop and ask other people what they think of me so that somehow I defend myself or I feel better, or I'm trying to make them change their mind. Like that's not my mission. My mission is not to make everybody like me, because if it was, I would, I mean, I'm the biggest failure in the world then, because I promise (laughs) you that's just not the case. So I'm going to be okay with not being everybody else's cup of tea, and I'm going to keep moving.
1: Yeah, if anybody needs any evidence of that, I mean, just look at the lives of the apostles, right? And I mean, the reality is walking with Jesus just chafes. It, it just chafes. You know what I mean? People are going to, for whatever reason, right? I think of like, you know, Matthew, the tax collector, I'm sure that when he was changing his life and making those decisions and those changes, you probably had his fellow tax collector saying, oh, you know, sell out. And you already had his previous community saying that he was a pariah just for having done what he did. So he was kind of in nowhere land, right? Kind of floating in outer space. But that's the truth. The truth is that as you begin to evolve and change, you know, you are gonna, you know, rub people the wrong way, or people are gonna, you know, make up their determinations about who you are. It's definitely happened in my life, you know what I mean? Coming from this very secular, you know, media landscape and spending 20 years in it and and all this stuff and then when people begin to find out slowly but surely, it's and it happened for me mostly after my ordination, which was only five years ago and you know, people started, you know people Google you, they Google you before meetings they look you up and they're like, you know, they want to find out about you a little bit and the pictures that come up are like from my ordination and I'm wearing this crazy outfit and you know, for somebody who's like working at HBO and they see that, they're like, what is this? What planet am I on? Right? And I could definitely tell you know, from conversations with other people the way some of that stuff landed. And I'm sure, positive, in fact, that there's been a tremendous amount of opportunity, in quotes, air quotes, um, that I may have lost as a result of that because of you know, preconceptions or decisions or whatever, assumptions that people make. But it's really tough to have that be the barometer because that's you know, kind of a, a you know, signal posts to nowhere if you follow those things.
0: Yeah, and I guess it all also goes back to the way that I like to look at it in retrospect, knowing that it's retrospect and knowing that I can't do anything about it. But all those opportunities that you lost, that I've lost, that anybody else can who relates to this can understand that, um, that might not have, have been an opportunity to make us better. Maybe what we lost was maybe we we actually had a huge gain in our life because we weren't offered certain things and i mean i know that i have praised i mean i have deeply praised god over and over again for his mercy to not allow me to get certain jobs because it would not have been it would not have ended well especially in the secular world i think back to a few of them and if i would have gotten some of these jobs i don't even know if i would be here right now i'm so thankful that he intervened in such a way. And we'll just never know that we'll never know that this side of heaven of what God's really doing. But what we do know is that his ways are above our ways, right? His thoughts are above our thoughts. Um, and so whatever is going on, we do this for the glory of God. I mean, people found out that you're a deacon and you've got HBO, you know, execs who are just looking at you a little odd. And that is, that is the most appropriate response, though. Like, I'm thinking, yeah, you probably should look at him a little odd because that's a man of God. And does that make you uncomfortable? Why? I'm, then you need to ask those questions to yourself. I mean, sure. that is a good thing. It, it, it's okay if, you, if your life makes people a little uncomfortable. And, you know, I just think you should ride that to the end. I think that is absolutely fantastic.
1: Well, you know, I talked to somebody recently about this. It's like in our lives, we're always... At some point in our lives, it's kind of like a continuum, but we're... Uh, at some at some point either a little leaven or a little dough right what's like we're, we're we we play a role in as the kind of thing that maybe can spring forth something new in an environment but the more leaven you are the more of that chafing you get right the closer you get to kind of being part of the dough and being surrounded by folks who share your values maybe you know there's times in your life when you're more like the dough and people around you reflect those kind of values but for whatever reason um, you know, like your background, I had a lot of those Levin moments. And, you know, that may be the the only interaction that somebody in those scenarios has had with the kinds of questions you just discussed, right? It's like, well, that's a big question, right? That somebody has to ask themselves if they're self-reflective enough, they can ask them, well, why do I feel this way? You know, why, what is it about this person's walk or their beliefs that makes me feel this way? And I think, if if God has ever used me in that way or used you in that way, I would say, you know, hallelujah, because that may be the only kind of interaction with, you know, gospel values that a lot of folks are going to get in the course of a, you know, nine to five day.
0: Absolutely. You might be the only copy of the gospel that people will ever read. So, you know, going back to like what we originally started this conversation on, which is like being an influencer. Uh, yeah. Sure. Absolutely. We are. We all are. And and that's part of the Christian call. It's part of being baptized is that you, you take that on. It's a different term that is used in modern world now, but we all are called to be some type of influencer and to bring people an experience of Christ in some form or fashion. And oftentimes it might not be any type of uh, direct conversation. It could just be that they, you know, like I, going back to your, your example, Deacon, but just like people Googling you and finding out you're a Deacon before you have a business meeting and they never discuss religion at all. But in the back of their mind, they know they're talking to a man of God. They know that they know that and it's going to shape the words they say the conversation they have and maybe that's not the type of conversations they normally have and maybe they would have used different language in other meetings it's possible so maybe them knowing that little piece about you whatever that is has made them better for the next 15 minutes (laughs) and praise god for that you know praise God. that's
1: my great hope leah (laughs) That's my great hope. It certainly has led to some interesting conversations, no doubt, I'm sure you've had as well. And sometimes, you know, frankly, not very pleasant ones. I remember I had a conversation with a VC guy, venture capital, venture capitalist, who actually invested in one of the startup companies that I was running um, uh, a few years ago. And I was, you know, kind of leaving this company, and so we were having our kind of goodbye moment. And it, this half-hour goodbye with this venture capital fund guy, uh, you know, turned into a two-hour like railing against the Catholic Church. I mean, and he wasn't Catholic, obviously, but just this whole sense of, I can't even believe that someone who seems as put together as you, this is his words, not mine, um, but who seems as put together as you would believe this stuff. And what about this? And what about this? And you know, it it was a kind of of out-of-body experience in a way because to your point, we'd never had any kind of conversation like that. I'm not sure how many conversations like that maybe this person has ever had. But there was this sense of me kind of looking, kind of hovering over myself for a second, and going, "Okay, something's going on here. This is like a Holy Spirit moment, and maybe there's an opportunity." And you know, I took a beating in that in that meeting, right? But but I hopefully something from it, um, and it ended okay. But I mean, it was it was really tough. Um, but hopefully, something the Holy Spirit can use in that for that person and for myself, you know, that that can be in accord with His plan because. Uh, I, I wouldn't have thought it when it began, <laughs> given how given how it started. But it is true, you know. God uses uh, sometimes strange tools to achieve His end.
0: He does, and He's you know Christ reminds us if they you know if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. And so, um, you know, I don't I don't know. And, you know, God will have to correct me. Obviously, I don't know if this is right or wrong. But sometimes I think a lot of these little persecutions are just practice. It's just like, okay, well. This is the practice round for something else later. And um, I'm just going to take it and I'm going to do my best here. And then I always ask myself, what could I learn? What could I have done differently? What did they say to me that is true that I can agree with and that I can find that common ground and just really think on? Or were there any criticisms that even though I didn't like, are they true? Are they, is there any ounce of truth Mm. in there? Could I understand something about what they're saying because oftentimes when it comes to things so precious like our belief systems um we just automatically think we're right and we might not always be yeah. Now, so it's just it's good to kind of stop and pause and just you know really reflect on our interactions with people
1: Preach it, sister. That's uh, and, and that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes, right? Because when you you got to consider the messenger, and sometimes it's hard to hear the message given the messenger. But to the extent that something is true, to the extent it is true, it is from God, right? So there there uh, there's definitely an opportunity there. Leah, I wanna I wanna chat with you a little bit because you've mentioned it I think three or four times so far in this conversation, and that's the virtue of mercy, and I'm sure it plays a role in a lot of, I know it plays a role in your apostolate and your work and everything that you do. But when I was, you know, looking up some of the things that, that you've been involved with and learning more about the work that you do with Lux and, and all the all those different um, efforts, I wondered why the virtue of mercy? Why the virtue of mercy?
0: Why not, Deacon? we're going to start with the virtue that is most needed in this world, I think it's mercy. Mm. That's just my opinion. But Mercy is this is the um, mercy is the uh, other side of the coin of love, and so hmm. most people can't receive love. Most people have an unhealthy attachment to to unhealthy love, um, but one thing that's easier to receive, I think, sometimes than love is mercy. And it's just because it's an acknowledgement of failure. It's an acknowledgement of help. It's also a massive, magnificent message of hope because it's mercy, you know, and versus despair. So I don't. I think that if we don't include this element of mercy in everything that we do, that's just me personally speaking. I I don't know if we're doing it well <laughs> because we need mercy. We need to understand in every conversation we have with ourselves or with uh with God or with other people that um where can we find mercy and where can we give it and where can we receive it? It's so healing. And it's mm it's what was flowing out of Christ at <clears throat> crucifixion and it's it's the it's the power of that that was part of the resurrection and it's what we all seek we all want to start over and we all have these stories within us you know we have the we have the possibility of these of these you know stories like we see in Marvel and DC we have and what's so beautiful about these, these superhero stories is that they're within us and it's, um, we have the villain within us and we have the hero within us. And what do you allow to really win? And, and mercy is the answer. Mercy is the answer. And it's, 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 um, it's how you look at your whole life. And so for me, it's just, it it can never not be a part of my work or my life or my how i look literally with my eyes at people and how i talk because it's just such an ima- it's such a powerful grace that god has given us and that he gives to us and um and our world desperately needs it
1: uh, without question and especially in the realm that you operate in right so many people have this um well people have a lot of views about digital media and social media but i think what everyone agrees with is how corrosive some of the conversation can be in the social you know media realm and how it hasn't you know catered to our better angels in a lot of cases or at least we've allowed it you know not to do that but that virtue of mercy is one that if we take it more to heart i think would enable us to see you know, ourselves our, you know, or a brother and sister in these different realms rather than, you know, an, an adversary or somebody to be torn down. And we've got a ton of work to do in that regard in these very same platforms that are part of the new evangelization, that are part of getting the message out to all the corners of the world because we're living in our time and place for a reason, right? And this is just part, you know, part and parcel to evangelization and to the gospel and to getting that message out. But that virtue of mercy is, to your point, super needed right now, given a lot of this sort of division and polarity that that we seem to be experiencing, especially as a country.
0: Oh, it's, yeah, I mean, where do you want to start, right? The division, the polarity in our country, um, in our church, our church has got more than its fair share of divisions. And um, yeah, and remember, you know, I mean, just to be very clear, when I say mercy, I'm not saying that everything's fine and you can should do whatever you want, and I'm also not saying that you should be a welcome mat and just allow yourself to be taken a beaten because you should. Um, but true mercy, like true conversion, true metanoia, and turning your life over and seeking truth and living by that truth, and and. That's the mercy we need. We have so many, so many suffering souls in this world. And through digital media, we have an amazing opportunity to bring these virtues and bring bring these aspects of Christ, who he has mercy himself, um, to people. And um, I'll tell you something, there, there's no way I'm not going to use social media in the work that I'm doing. You got to be crazy. You got to be crazy. And I tell you something. I and I I've not I haven't had many but I've had a few comments of people just saying, you know, like the apostles never would have done this and the yeah. apostles and I was just like number one, I don't <laughs> think you should be talking for the apostles. Number two. Good point. If you did want to talk for the apostles, I think they would say, "Oh, there's vehicles out there like digital media and airplanes and trains that I can reach more people, uh, I'm going to definitely do that. I'm absolutely going to do that because the message of Christ and his mercy and the power of who he is as king is going to be heard to every corner of this planet. And so how we do it, of course, is one way and with the right, you know, um, intentions behind that, of course, but No, I, the the message of mercy and the message of who Christ is needs to be proclaimed. And I will use every single, um, opportunity given to me at this time and in my life to do that as God is my witness and with his help and by his grace alone. Um, but yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. I mean, people want to complain about social media all the time and trust me. I mean, the problems are glaring in our face, but again, I mentioned this earlier if you're focusing on the problem, then you're only going to see problems. Amen. So what if you looked at social media as like, these are opportunities and these are souls that I can pray for. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at these people that I just scrolled through and I'm going to fast for them this Friday. By the way, you should still be fasting on Fridays. Anyways, side notes, all my theology in there, but like, <laughs> what are you doing about it? Because if you just sit there and complain about how bad the world is, then that's your life. You know, and I don't want to I you know, I don't want to focus my life on every single problem. I want to focus on Lord, you're giving me an opportunity to see work and to see a m- mission. What can I do here in my little home, on my little farm in Missouri? There might be some things I can do professionally, but I know I can also sit and I can pray at dinner with my kids for these people, and I can fast for these people. And I can fast also for myself and my own Holiness and my own, um, my own work that the Lord is trying to do in me. So there's just there's so much to do. I don't know how we have time to complain and 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 divide in our church and in our world when there's so much good work in the in this area of mercy that we can actually do.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, the, the, the digital media space is the mission field, right? It's uh, the question is how you do it. Um, and here I, I, I take a page out of your book because I know in some of the work that you've recently done with uh, University of St. Thomas and uh, Ward on Fire Institute, you talk about, you know, digital media as that kind of mission field. You talk about also the importance of authenticity, right and and authenticity in part is being vulnerable to things right it's like sharing with the world like what's going on and being really real so it's not so much the what i mean you know 2000 years ago walking into some of these pagan communities would have been scandalous in its own right the kind of stuff that was going on but it was the how it was done that was the emphasis and by virtue of that we now have christianity all over the globe and hallelujah for that right so I a thousand percent agree with you. And that value of authenticity is really, really clear and vulnerability, all of which you've shown. I mean, I think that you've, especially of late with some of what happened last month in your personal life that you shared with the world, um, that kind of vulnerability, that kind of openness is that sort of superhero power (laughs) that we need to draw on, in my opinion, to kind of, you know, help bring these things a little bit closer together from the division that we currently have.
0: Yeah. It's just relating, you know, it's just a, the whole, our whole life is about relationships and it all comes down to yeah. love and mercy. You know, again, two sides of the same coin. And the more authentic you are in your relationships, the more integrated you are in your relationships. Um, then you just become that like you, it's not a show. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, when I'm on social media, I'm not turning on a special Leah. Like you see exactly what Leah is in any stage. Um, I might try to find a quieter corner in my house just so I can talk to you because I've got a lot of amazing (laughs) screaming kids. But, but the authenticity is this integrated life that Christ has been working in me and doing with me. And he's got a lot of work still to do in me. Trust me. He does ask Jesus and ask my husband, Ricky, they both know there's lots of work still to be done in Leah, but what you see on social media. And when I think one of the things that, um, the comment that I consistently get over the past, you know, uh, almost fifteen years of being on social media and evangelizing within it is um, people will say something like "You're so real or
1: mm. uh
0: just comments about being off Authentic. Like, thank you for showing what real motherhood looks like. Thank you for showing us what suffering really looks like. Thank you for showing me, like, the day to day interactions. Like, it's not, there's no Instagram, picture perfect, Pinterest type stuff on my accounts. Like, you won't see that. I, I, um, I sometimes will try to take some nice pictures, but other than that, like, everything's very, very real. And I think that's just what relates to people. People don't want, people don't want to relate to, uh, the fake stuff they don't they, they because you can't and you know it's not right and you know it's not how people really live and you're sitting there and you've got laundry everywhere and you feel like you can't pull it together and the last thing you want to see is someone who's like this is how I organize my whole home and everything's just great and I've had two hours of prayer this morning how are you doing like who who is that person right. who is that person <laughs> I want to talk to that person. I I do. I want to talk to that person and I just want to like peel off the layers, um, that are not, that are hiding pain. And I, you know, like you mentioned before, um, yeah, about a month and a half ago, um, I, I experienced a miscarriage. Um, we were pregnant with our seventh baby and, um, our baby, our baby didn't make it. Our baby died. And we, I shared all of that on social too. I shared, you know, um, a couple days after I came out of the hospital, I had to have emergency surgery. It was actually, I almost lost my life in the process of it. Um, and I thank God so much for Mm. giving me the chance to still live. Um, but you know, I lost my baby and I just, uh, it was really hard. And, um, you know, we buried our baby and we had a funeral and it was just, this is not what I had planned Deacon. This is not what I wanted sure. to do in my life and there was just a at the right time there there there, there was a, a a tiny tug. It was a tiny tug on my heart to just say, you know, it's okay to share this too. Like I'm still here with you. And mm. um and I really just personally I just took that as a message from the Lord to me just saying it's okay. Like because you know, you're not the only one. And I think that is what evil does. Evil wants to isolate you and thinking that you are the only one who's experiencing and then fill in the blank, whatever that emotion or experience oh, yeah. or, or loss is. And so for sure. actually during like some very, very deep and recent sufferings that I've gone to social media and I've shared what's going on in my life. I've asked for prayers. I wasn't making a spectacle of anything, but I was just like, this is what's happening. This is real life. And I can't even tell you the thousands of women who've reached out to me saying that they've also had a miscarriage, that they're thankful that I shared mine because it gave them some closure or it also gave them a chance to be seen again. And I just thought, wow, wow, like God is using this. He's he he's allowing all of this. He's using all of this for his good. And I'm just thankful that I can be a part of the process with it. And sometimes you don't want to be a part of the process. Sometimes like, I wish I could have passed that one off to someone else. Like, no, like, no, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to lose my baby. I don't want to bury my baby. But, um, but this is the word. This is where the Lord has me. And I have to know that he still loves me. And he has a great plan for my life and part of his plan and part of my holiness is is this moment and so i'll share that too and i will i'll proclaim the greatness of the lord even in the, in those moments too and that's that's where we reach peoples in those authentic moments of real life
1: no question and leah thanks be to god that you did because i even without you mentioning it i did scroll and i did read all the comments from all these people mostly women but not all saying, you know, thank you for sharing this. Thank you for 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 revealing this very painful episode in your life because it strengthened me, because it allowed me to feel something maybe I they hadn't felt before or voiced before, right? Because that's another part of it is is these things, when we don't talk about them, when we don't voice them, right, have a tendency to, you know, kind of become, uh, you know, difficult and, and corrosive internally. So you saying that Giving voice to that, I could tell just by reading the commentary the kind of impact that it had, and that is absolutely something to be thankful for and that in you know God's amazing sometimes mysterious uh, you know ways of operating, was definitely at least a byproduct of 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 that very very difficult very very painful situation that you went through is the great good that was created as a result and that's you know me as an outsider just reading commentary God only knows what actually is happening in the lives of all these people so that's for sure another one of your superpowers there you go so we're we're uncovering them but uh, but thank you for doing that and thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Lee, I know that your very good team, who you said surrounds you, has let me know that uh, I can't keep you for more than an hour, so I'm going to be respectful of that. So before we get to our final segment, which is called Wait What, I did want to give you an opportunity, though, to talk about some of the stuff that's coming up, right? So How folks can follow this great mercy ministry that, you're, um, that you've been doing for a number of years, maybe something coming next, that kind of thing. Can you share with us a little bit about that?
0: yeah absolutely. So number one, I would just love for you to be able to um, connect with me on social media and I know it sounds silly, but I want to be able to make sure that you have as many voices that love Christ in your digital life. And so when you're scrolling, I would I, I would prefer you to be following people who follow Christ as well. So um, I would be honored if you would just be able to, you know, that We could connect, and you could follow me on Instagram and Facebook and all those, all the other digital media pieces. Um, I am there, and then the next thing is, um, I'm working on something really special, Deacon. I've been working on this for a while, and we're hoping to release it this later this summer, um, possibly early fall. And I'm not sure, but if you if you continue to follow me on social, I will keep you updated. But I've created, um, I've I've been creating this new program which takes our beautiful faith, but it also just kind of involves and takes it in and meshes personal development. So it's a Christocentric approach to personal development. And I have this new program called Power Made Perfect. And it's from 2 Corinthians 12, 9, which um, Christ says, uh, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I'm, it's a program um, for anybody who wants to just uh, finally take their life to the next level with the Lord, but does not want to leave God out of it. You know, they, I, I've always loved personal development and some of these things that we've been talking about, like how do you ask these certain questions and how do you find people on your team and your boundaries and how do you speak to yourself? And what are the things that you say to yourself before these things and routines and schedules, a lot of this stuff, this kind of human development piece, we just kind of miss out on sometimes. And the church doesn't really teach that directly directly. And so what we've done is we've created a program that is completely supportive by scripture and we've put it together. It's a Christocentric approach to personal development. So if you're really looking to honestly level up your life, finally, you know, do the thing or like change your habits. Um, If you feel stuck, if you feel like you just you don't know what to do next in your life, it might just be that you just need to learn some skills, but you don't want to do them outside of really christ and holy scripture so we have that program coming out i'm really excited it's called power made perfect and i would love to be able to share with people more um so yeah you can just follow me on my website or on digital media and i'll be able to share more with that
1: awesome looking forward to that and we'll include uh in the show notes for this episode all the information that's available on getting in touch with you and following all this great work and keeping abreast of the latest things but that sounds really cool all right leah are you ready to play wait what Sure, let's do it. Okay. All right, so question number one. We've talked a lot about digital media, so I thought we might start with a fill-in-the-blank question about one of the early digital media pioneers, where I happened to actually get my start, by the way. It was called America Online, also known as AOL. So in the late 90s, Leah, AOL's mission statement, which hung on a plaque in their Dulles, Virginia headquarters for everyone to see, read... To build a global medium as central to people's lives as the blank. Fill in the blank.
0: As a television? T-
1: yes, correct. It was actually two things. It was as the telephone or television. So you get full credit for that answer, but yes, correct. That was their goal when they set out to do it. And I would, I would say that, you know, not just them, but uh, I'd say they achieved that end to make something really ubiquitous. So great, great start. Okay, question number two. Uh, you're originally from Oklahoma, right? I am. Okay, cool. So which of these is false? Which of these is false, Leah, about your home state of Oklahoma? Is it A, the aerosol can used in things like hairspray and shopping carts were both invented in Oklahoma? Is it B, Oklahoma was the site of the only attack on the contiguous 48 states during World War II? Or is it C, the name Oklahoma is Choctaw for spinning wind? in light of its propensity for tornadoes. Which of those is false? A No, actually that's the incorrect. <laughs> it is true and it is true that the aerosol can was invented in Bartlesville, Oklahoma and the shopping cart came from Ardmore, Oklahoma. So go figure. Um, no, the correct answer is C. The name Oklahoma is actually Choctaw, but it stand, it, it's two words. It stands It means people and red. So red people is what Oklahoma actually means. So all right, so 50/50, but you can redeem yourself here on the last question, Leah, which is a time machine question. There's always a time machine question. So here it goes. So Leah, you get a chance to travel back in time to Lima, Peru in 1604. After getting your bearings, you chance upon a young woman making her way to her village. You're instantly taken by her gentleness and can't help but notice that she is naturally very beautiful. You greet her and begin to walk with her. You learn her name is Isabel Flores de Oliva. She mentions to you that her nickname, however, is Rosa, which is Spanish for rose, because she explains one of the servants in her household allegedly saw her face turn into a rose during a dream. On your walk, she tells you that her father is very intent on having her get married, and she has no shortage of suitors given her exceptional beauty, but she desires to be a religious sister instead and she confides in you that she's thinking of cutting her hair very short and even uh, considering disfiguring herself in some way in order to make herself less attractive. You're slowly putting the pieces together, Leah, and you come to realize you're in the presence of the great patron saint of Latin America, Rose of Lima. You're about to arrive at the village before she asks your advice on her plans to diminish her natural beauty in order to avoid marriage and serve God. What advice, Leah? Do you give her?
0: I probably would help her cut her hair and then I would kidnap her and take her to a convent (laughs) to hide her. I mean, I, well, prob- then, I probably would.
1: It's like the Back to the Future scene where the person who time travels is the reason why the person did what they did because she did, in fact, cut her hair short and she did at some point there was a burn that happened on her face. I'm not exactly sure how, but those things actually did happen in her life. So apparently, that was you, and that you gave me. us a great saying. Well, I was me.
0: That, yes, <laughs> I, and she's she's a very special saint to me. I'm happy you brought her up because. At the moment of my reversion back to the Catholic faith, um, and when I was in New York City and this all happened in the middle of a photo shoot in New York anyways, but I, um, after all that happened, I knew that I had to go to confession and I randomly picked a church and I was in Brooklyn and I, um, I was like, I'll just go to this one. And I just needed to go to confession and it was St. Rose of Lima church in, in Brooklyn. since oh, that wow. moment, I've always had a very deep devotion to her because um, I don't know, I just kind of thought like, well, maybe you were a part of this plan of like being here. And I saw this beautiful rose on the floor of the church. And I just thought wow. it just it was beautiful. And I just I looked at it and the, I named um, one of my daughters after St. Rose of Lima. So anyways, I'm glad you brought her up. She's a great saint.
1: Well, beautiful. That's awesome. Well, uh, Leah, what a great privilege it is to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming by. You're always welcome. My prayers and that of our little community here is for the continued prosperity of your work. May everything that you do, advancing God's divine mercy, travel far and wide. And thank you so much for coming by.
0: Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And just continue um, putting up that good, good work.
1: Awesome. And if you're listening to our voices, that means it's time to subscribe. Please share this episode with somebody that you love, somebody who can benefit from all the great wisdom that we heard from Leah today. And we'll see you again next time on Living the Call. If you enjoyed this episode of Living the Call, please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star review. Tell someone you love about the show and spread the word. Living the Call is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can learn more about the organization behind the show by searching for the Catholic Association of Latino Leaders on any social platform or by going directly to call-usa.org. That's C-A-L-L-U-S-A usaorg Living the Call is produced by Manu Castan and Diego Carranza and our friends at Juan Diego Networks. God bless you and thank you for listening.